0: Let's, uh, let's stand together as we read God's holy word. We'll look at verse 12 here. It says, these are spots. Now, he's talking about these men. Remember that, uh, uh, that God had told Jude about. So this is in reference to these men. He says, these are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you. feeding feeding themselves without fear. He says they're clouds they are without water, carried about by wind, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. But he says these words. He says they're twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Now let's pray. Lord, thank you for the direction that you gave Jude. Lord, he wanted to write something else. He had something else in mind. And you changed his heart. Lord, help us, everyone in here, to do what James said. Jude's older brother, he said, submit yourselves to the Lord. Lord, I pray that everyone in here has submitted to you. God, you tell us in that verse also in James that if we resist the devil, He will flee from us. And, Lord, the only way that we can resist the devil is through your strength. God, so would you help us to submit to you like Jude did? Would you help us to resist the devil? God, we pray that this morning that you would be glorified in all that we do. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled the message this morning, serious trouble, serious trouble, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 13, and over the past, let's see, one, two, three. over the past three weeks, we've been in a, a what I would call a significant study of this epistle, the word epistle means letter, we're not sure which church this is, but uh, this is a letter written by Jude, actually written by God, he gave Jude these words. And uh, remember, Jude is the half-brother, what we believe to be the half-brother of Jesus Christ. We know he was, from verse 1, we know he's the brother of James. And we believe James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Now, we've looked at several things so far in all these these verses that we've done, we've gone down through, excuse me, we've gone down through about verse 9 already. We've looked at uh, humbling ourselves. That was the very first thing. We see that Jude is a humble man. He could have written about himself, but he writes about Jesus Christ. Um, You know, all the way through from, from cover to cover, the Bible teaches for us to humble ourselves. And, you know, we can look at Jesus' example over in Philippians chapter 2 where it says that he humbled himself even to the point of death. And, and, and it says the death of the cross. He humbled himself. We could go back to the Old Testament in uh, Second Chronicles 7.14, we know that verse. Everyone in here, I believe, has that verse pretty well memorized. If my people, which are called by my name, shall, what, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says this, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, specifically, that is written that's God speaking to Solomon about the Jews, but those principles that those same principles would hold true for you and I as Christians, that we're to humble ourselves, and we could go all the way back over into the old or excuse me the New Testament. You and I've come through uh, James, James, and I believe it's four ten. I believe that James, the older brother. Of Jude, he says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of God." And he says, "He'll lift you up." So, the the direction from Scripture, and we've looked. This is one of the first things we looked at with Jude was to humble ourselves. You know, God's going to humble us one way or another. We're going have we're going to be humbled one way or another. God will humble us, but He says, "Look, humble yourselves." Man, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. We also looked at, in verse 1, the, the fact that Christians are sanctified. That means they are set apart. Christians are preserved. That's what it says in verse 1. That means they're protected. Jesus is our protector. We are preserved as Christians. Nobody could pluck us out of the hand of God. That's a reference to eternal security. Eternal security. That's the teaching there. So once you're saved, you are saved. It's, uh, what Jesus did on the cross was final. He did enough to save us. And then we, uh, we looked at the fact that Christians are called. Okay, Now, we're all called to be saved. Uh, so, uh, hopefully everybody in here has answered that call. Yes. Now, we're called. But as Christians, we're also called to serve him. We're called to serve him right where we are, and it may be a difficult situation. Maybe you're in a a hot, hot, hot situation. God wants you to serve him. We're going to see that this morning. Some of the other things we've looked at, we've looked looked at earnestly contending for the faith and what that means. Uh, Earnestly contending for the faith, we've looked at listening to and obeying God, Uh, being faithful to Jesus, uh, things regarding Jesus. And uh, then last week, see if you remember this, we looked at these men that that Jude is writing about. In verse 4, it says these certain men, Jude calls them ungodly. And so they were deceptive. It says they've crept in. And we looked at, concerning those men, we looked at how God has responded to, previously and remember now Jude is and this is one of the things I really really like about reading the book of Jude I've talked through it a number of times and every time I mean every time it steps on my toes I'm preaching to myself I learn so much each time going through it but the the um uh, The thing concerning these certain men that are mentioned in verse 4, last week we looked at how God has responded previously. In in the Old Testament, he gives some examples. And we looked at uh, what God knows. He knows everything. He knew what these guys were up to. And remember, Jude wanted to write something else. He had something else in mind. And God said, no, I need you to write to them and tell them about these guys. And then uh, we looked at the fact, especially in reference to verse 9 where you have the archangel Michael uh, disputing with Satan about the body of Moses. That's another uh, obscure Old Testament thing. You know, we don't know about that until this verse. But we we look at there being a difference between Satan and Michael. Okay, a major difference. Michael the archangel. And so... Uh, From that verse, from that struggle, you see that Michael says this. He said he didn't, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, we're going to go out and whip the devil, or we're going to go out and do this. Michael didn't do that. He said, look, the Lord rebuke you. The battle, whatever you're facing, whatever we face today, God already knows about it, and the battle belongs to him. It's his battle. And so now today, that brings us up through last week. Today, this morning, we're going to look at the hearts, the heart or the hearts of these men. Okay, what what was really in these certain men mentioned in verse 4? And we're going to look at their uh, destination, their their ultimate destination if they didn't change. And then the appropriate response. What 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 should be our response? Maybe you have some of these certain type of people at work. Maybe you work around them. Maybe they're in your family. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up, a lot of family around, and you've got this, this one guy that's going to be coming over. Okay? Um, how do we respond? Let's look first at the heart of these men. So look at verse 10. It says, But these, talking about those, it's a reference all the way back up to verse 4 and to these guys that Jude says they've crept in. They looked all spiritual. They had the look. But he says in verse 4, he said, they're ungodly. God revealed that to him. And so uh, he says down here in verse 10, he says, but these, these certain guys, they speak evil. They speak evil of those things. Now, that word evil, I looked it up. It means to rail at. It means to revile. It means to blaspheme. Now, look what it says. They speak evil of those things which they know not. Now, let me give you a verse from 1 Peter chapter 2. This is a great verse. Write this verse down. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, laying aside all malice. Lay aside all malice and all guile. That means uh, uh, deceptiveness, deceit. He says, lay aside. This is Peter. Peter's really direct. He says, lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies and envies. And he says these words, and all evil speakings. Peter says, lay that all aside. He's talking to Christians. Now, let me tell you what Jesus says. You can look at this passage in in, uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. It's a powerful passage. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. That's what a good man does. That's a reference to a a Christian man, one that's sold out to the Lord. It says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you hear someone speaking things they shouldn't. Evil speaking, and that's what these these guys were doing. Then you know what's in their heart. See, but Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a matter of fact, let's go on. This, this in that passage where Jesus is speaking, Jesus says in Luke six forty six. Next verse, he says, "And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not the things that I say?" Verse forty seven: Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now, you know the story. Verse 48 says, he is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, now we've seen some rain, and when the flood arose and the, the stream beat vehemently upon the house, I mean, it, the stream beat, the, the water beat vehemently in the house, it could not shake it for it was founded upon the rock. That's what Jesus says. But he says, but he that heareth these, see the context is, the context of what he's saying here is doing what he says, and and the reference is, is the speaking. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 49 says, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation, can you imagine that? Building a house without a foundation? He says that a man without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently. Now listen to this. And immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So that's that's a description. That's, that's what these guys were like. They knew. And uh, they knew some things that they ought not be doing, but they were speaking, it says they were speaking evil of those things which they know not. Now, if, if you remember back up in verse 8, I want to, this, this is just important to remember. Look back at verse 8. He says they're filthy dreamers, They despise. they defile the flesh, they despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. Now, it's re- important to remember that they rejected authority. I think that there's a good chance that they might have been in authority. I think there's a good chance just by some of the things we're going to look at here in a moment, especially when it talks about Korah. Um, they reject authority. I mean they don't they, you know they they're not going to submit. They're not going to Verse ten. See there's two nos, K and O W. See that in verse ten? It says, but they speak evil against the things which they know not. Now, that word know there, where it says they, they speak evil against things which they know not, it can that word know means to understand. It means to be skilled in. So the things they don't understand, the things they're not skilled in, they speak evil against it. So if they didn't think of it, if it's not their idea, if they don't know about it, you ever run into somebody like that? They speak evil against it. That's what it says. And it says, but but what they know. Let's go see that second no. That second no, it says, but what they know naturally. Now get this. I looked this up. That means that no right there. It's a different no. It means to put one's attention to, to fix your thoughts on, to understand it. It conveys that they're skilled in this. But look what it says, what they know naturally. I thought that was interesting. I'm reading out of King James here. And so it it says naturally, and that word naturally in the Greek is, is in a natural manner, by bodily senses. So the things they know through their senses, what they can see, what they can hear, what they what they can feel, what they can touch—you just let your your mind wonder. See, it says, "But those things which they know naturally with their senses, as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves." I mean, they—that's what these guys. But if if they don't know about it, then they just—they speak evil about it. But those things that they know <laughs> through. Feel, touch, smell, taste, see—whatever those things—they, uh, it says, they corrupt themselves. These guys would rather be involved in uncleanness. They would rather be involved in corruptness than to be at the feet of Jesus. There, that's, that desire to be involved in uncleanness instead of at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, that is a major issue. That's a major problem. Remember verse four? Let's scan back up there and look at verse four. It says they turned the last they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And that remember that word, that's, that's what these guys were about. That word lasciviousness means it's an unbridled lust, shamefulness. I mean, they, they just, these guys, they're chasing the wrong thing. And it says another thing they did. It says they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, it was like this. You know, we're under grace, so it really doesn't matter what we do. God forbid. It does matter. It does. And the, the other thing they did was says they denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a major issue. They denied the only Lord God. See, these, these guys, he calls them in verse 4, he says they're certain men. These guys pretended to be spiritual, but their only knowledge was really natural. <laughs> What they could see, smell, feel—that that was their only knowledge. That's what they—that's what they wanted to know. What made them feel good? That's what they wanted to know. But they—they well, they, they looked spiritual. They were imposters. But it's interesting, as I was studying this, it jumped out at me. It just hit me. Uh, it, you know, it, they were imposters. But God knew it. And remember, in verse 3, Jude tells us, he says, I gave all diligence. He said, I was I get to write to these people about salvation. That's what he was going to write about, about the common salvation, about we're all saved through Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. He says, I was going to write to you about that and talk to you more about that but it, there was something else that God wanted him wanted him to wanted him to tell these people. See, God already knew. These these men were imposters. They looked good, but they were ungodly and God knew it. That's important to remember. Now look at verse 11. He says woe unto them. Now that word woe means it is a it is an ex an exclamation of uh, grief he says woe to them woe unto them talk about those guys up there in verse four for they look he mentions three now once again these are old testament references jude is known for that and many times in when he talks about it they're obscure old testament passages um for instance, up there in verse 6 where he talks about the angels being chained down. Okay, that's, uh, and then of course the, the Michael passage um, and Satan passage there in verse 9. But here he mentions three. He says, woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. And he mentions another one. They ran speedily, or excuse me, speedily, they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for a reward. And here's another one. They perished in the gainsaying of Korah. That's Korah. So let's look at the Cain passage there first. It says that, it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. And many people, that's that's back over in Genesis chapter 4. Many assume that because Abel brought a blood sacrifice, and Cain brought a grain type sacrifice that the difference between the two was sacrificial blood. But Hebrews clears that up for us. See a lot of people think when they read that they think the difference was sacrificial blood. But Hebrews four makes it plain. Here's what it says. Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews 11:4. You want to circle this passage. It says, by faith, that's the key, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. See, faith was the the whole issue. That's Hebrews 11, 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So, The issue with these guys, these certain men that Jude is talking about here, faith is the issue. It's a major issue. Now, he says, They ran greedily after the error of Balaam for a reward. Now, that's a reference to Numbers chapter 22. The greedy error of Balaam. He was willing, Balaam was willing to compromise everything for money. That's what he was willing to do. He'd just give it all up. He he would compromise everything for money. That's Numbers chapter 22. And these certain men that Jude warned about had that same heart. That's what what God is, is saying to him. He says, Jude, you write this. See, it says they have gone the way of Cain. That's a faith issue. Their their faith is not in God. And they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. See, what happened there was that King Balak of Moab um, wanted Balaam prophesy and he wanted him to curse Israel. And so for four times Balaam prophesied and he couldn't curse them. He couldn't do it. He he went up to curse them and and uh, he spoke and he ended up blessing them. So um, instead of instead of cursing them every time He blessed them, and so he told, see, Balaam told Balak this. He says, I know how you can get them cursed. If if you will lead Israel into fornication and uh, use uh, idolatry, then God himself, would curse them, God will curse their disobedience, and these certain men uh, they were that Jude is talking about they were willing to compromise they were, for they were willing to give it all up for some earthly gain They compromise everything that's a bad place to be I hope there's there's no one in here that's willing to compromise. They're their godly standards for what this world has to offer. That's what these men were willing to do. And l- look at verse 11 again. It says, they perished in the gainsaying of Kor. That gainsaying means rebellion. Now, that's a reference to Numbers 16. Numbers 16, Kor, or Korah, Korah, and his followers... Now, he had a number of them. They resented God's. They resented the authority that God had given Moses and Aaron. They resented it. Now, Korah was a Levite. I looked this up. He was a Levite, but not of the priestly family of Aaron. Now he had a. He had some authority as a Levite. He had. He had been given. God-appointed uh, God sphere of ministry. So he had some authority, but he wasn't content with that. He wanted the ministry. He wanted the authority of Moses. And so you know the story. Moses and, uh, and Aaron prayed for these men. There were, nu- there were numerous of them. And God said, stand back. Just move back because I'm going to deal with these men. And the ground opened up. And it swallowed Korah and his followers. And after that, the fire came down from heaven and burned up all the supporters. They per- All of Korah's supporters, they perished. And so it says here, it says these certain men, the last portion of that verse, verse 11, it says they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. They're headed the wrong direction. So, uh I would say uh, God is letting us know that these guys are in trouble. These guys are in serious danger. So according to the scripture, these certain men of verse 4, they didn't have the appropriate faith. They didn't have that appropriate faith. The saving faith. Faith was an issue with Cain. and It says they've gone the way of Cain. They were greedy and willing to compromise everything for their flesh, and they were in out and out rebellion against God's authority. Man, I hope that doesn't describe anybody in this room. Do you feel like these these guys were lost? I kind of get that feel. Uh, And like I said a moment ago, especially when we're we're reading that portion where it talks about Kor or Korah, they may have been in leadership. And I was reminded of you know I spent a, a good while in Kansas, and I was reminded of one pastor that uh, of a of a little Baptist church there in in uh, the heart of Hutchinson, Kansas, and they were having a revival. I think I've shared this with you, and he was teaching for me, and so he came to school the next day, and he said, uh, "One of my deacons got saved." And this deacon was 70 years old. He looked saved, but he was lost as a goose. And he said, well, my deacon, said, we had a revival. And during the revival, the deacon got saved. Praise the Lord for that. So these, so that's the heart of these men, of these certain men uh, that are mentioned in verse 4. They uh Didn't have the appropriate faith, the saving faith from all indication. and willing to compromise everything with regard to God for their flesh. And they were in out-and-out rebellion against the authority of God. So now, let's look at the destination of these guys. Look down at verse 13. It says, talking about these guys, it's giving examples here. It says they're raging waves of the sea, foaming out their shame. You ever, you've been to the sea, and you've seen that foam. It says they're foaming out their, their shame, their own shame, wandering stars. To whom, now look at this, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Let me read that again. That's incredible, incredible in a, in a bad way. For these guys, it says, it's the wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, we've ran across that before in the book of Jude. That word reserved, darkness. Look back at verse 6, talking about those angels which kept not their first estate. Once again, I believe, I feel like that's a reference I can't prove this, but I feel like it is a reference to Genesis chapter 6. may not be, but uh, I feel like it is. The evil angels. But look in verse 6. It says, The angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved. See that? He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. So here we have... Back down in verse thirteen, it's talking about these men. They looked all spiritual. God knew them. It says, "Here's what's happening: is they are uh, there's a, there's a spot for them reserved in the blackness of darkness forever." You see, I would say that that uh, these guys, from all indication, are headed to hell. Now get this, they're in the church. See, we don't know what church this is. But they're in the church. The Bible says in verse, in verse 4 that they crept in, unaware. They look good. I think there's a possibility they may have been in leadership. I don't know that. But it says it says that they are... The darkness awaits it's it's out there. It's it's that's their destination. They're headed to hell. And uh but they're in the church. Now let's talk just a moment about sin. I want to mention that. Um that's important that we talk about it this morning. Sin. The original sin, it can, it can be described as imputed, but also inherited. The Bible says that it was well, the original sin. When Adam sinned, it's imputed to all of us. That's Romans. Write this down now. This is, this is key. Romans 5.12, that original sin has been imputed to you and I. It's been imputed to me. In other words, what that means is when Adam sinned, I sinned. When Adam sinned, you sinned. That's it. That's the meaning. That's Romans 5.12. You say, well, I was not there. It has been passed down from Adam to Seth, Adam to Cain, Adam to Seth, Seth to his descendants, Seth to Noah. Noah was in that line. Eventually to Moses. Eventually to your father, my father and eventually to us and to our children. See, it has been, uh, Romans five 12, it's been imputed to us. And that's significant. Man is, by nature, a sinner. So the sin nature has, has passed onto us. When Adam sinned, you and I sinned. And the consequences of that, according to scripture is spiritual death did you get that the consequences of that having that sin nature is spiritual death that means when you when you are born you're spiritually dead now there's such thing as the age of accountability That's taught from Scripture. But when you're born, you're spiritually dead. That's a big deal. But praise God that he has provided salvation. I'm so thankful for that. He has provided salvation through Jesus Christ. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became sin for us. He took the hit for us. That's a big hit. He took a major hit for us, something that we would have to pay in eternity with our, our souls. We we're born spiritually dead. Now here's what happens is Satan deceives. He deceives. And so this world keeps marching toward hell. See, because if now this is important, if spiritual death is not rectified in this lifetime, then the second death becomes a reality. Did you hear that? We're born spiritually dead. If spiritual death is not rectified, that means it can only be rectified through Jesus Christ. If it is not uh, fixed, if spiritual death, is not rectified in this lifetime, then the second death, eternal punishment, in a place called the lake of fire, becomes a reality. That's a major deal. And Satan deceives because he wants to take as many there as he can. Now listen, I'm telling you, I plead with you. If you're in here this morning, and you have never received Jesus as your Savior, I will stay here all night. If that's what it takes, please don't leave here without receiving Him as your Savior. Please don't don't leave here. You're born spiritually dead. That has to be fixed in this lifetime. Now, we don't know how long that is. If it's not fixed in this lifetime, the second death is, becomes reality the Bible says in verse 13 these guys excuse me in verse 12 they're twice dead you see that they're twice dead look we must not be flippant with sin as Christians are we going to sin yes that's that is called practical sinning okay and that's that's Probably not a good good verbiage for that. But that's, we continue to do things we shouldn't do, even being a Christian. And what that does is that puts a strain on the relationship we have with God. But First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, okay? It's not talking about our sin nature. We've got that sin nature. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's if we're if we're a Christian. Look, if you're not a Christian, you're in here this morning and you are you're, you're spiritually dead. You're headed to the same place these guys were headed. Please get that rectified today, today. Twice dead. That's so what verse twelve says. Says these things, you can find it there, and we read it. Uh, just a while ago, they're twice dead, plucked up by the roots. That means this. If things didn't change from from that point, from when this, this passage was written, if things didn't change in those guys' lives, then as we stand here, sit here this morning and talk, those guys are in hell if it didn't change and I don't know if it did I don't know God does I'm so thankful but if there wasn't a change in their lives then they've been in hell a long time that's terrible That's terrible so let's look at let's examine our response let's examine our response see we've looked at their heart we've looked at where they're headed so how do we respond Remember Michael and Michael the archangel uh, in verse 9 says contending. He was contending with Satan. That contending even conveys an idea of uh, making a distinction. Okay, it's something different. It's hard work, but he was making a distinction. It's a battle. And we need to be all about earnestly contending for the faith see that needs to be our response earnestly contend for the faith we need you and I and I'm telling you I'm. And this is to all of us this is where I, I get my toes stepped on we all need to be come, become students of the word like never before like never before I'm talking to me and you or you and I you and me we need to become students of the Word of God's Word like never before, and that's why. That's why I felt like God wanted me to issue that challenge. Look, let's read Jude as many times as possible over the next. We're gonna. We have two more, uh, probably two more sermons in Jude. Would you read that as many times as possible? And would you? And I know some of you are doing this. Would you memorize all twenty five verses? It's hard. It's hard for me, but you can do it. I've gotten to know you, you can do it, and I believe that'll make a, a difference. We have got to become all of us have got to become students of the word like never before in our lives because earnestly contending for the faith needs to be a part of our response of how to how these see those men, those certain men that crept in, they needed to see godly people who would not compromise. Godly people who were holding true to their faith in God. Godly people who were submitting themselves. See, that's what we can do. We need to make sure that we're not flipping about sin. Sin is a major deal. Jesus died because of that. It is a major deal. So if if I'm speaking to someone, if God through me is speaking to someone in here, that's involved in some kind of sin, you got to get out of that. you got to run from that. Just let it go and get away from it and ask God to forgive you, whatever that might be. Now, perhaps, and I pray that there's not anybody in here that would be like these guys, like these men. I don't know if there were two, ten, twenty, I don't know how many there were. Maybe three, I don't know. But maybe maybe, they're, maybe they'll be in our midst tomorrow at work. I don't know. But we have to earnestly contend for the faith. And then I know there's something else we can do too. We can pray for them. Because <laughs> God already knows we can pray for them. Let's do that right now, okay? Lord, God, if there is anyone in our midst this morning that doesn't know you as their Lord, they're spiritually dead oh lord God would you would you tug on their hearts this morning, Lord? Now, if there's someone here that's been playing games, they look real good on the outside, and I would say everybody in here looks real good on the outside, but Lord, if there's someone in here that looks they've got the outside all polished up, but on the inside, they're rebellious they're they're willing to compromise they they they're not they haven't humbled themselves oh god would you would you let them know this morning that you want their heart you already know all about them god whatever it is would you have your way this morning as we sing together in jesus name amen let's all stand together